1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: You're listening to a broad network. This is a podcast for the best fans
0: in the NFL. Are you in the mafia? Well, you in the what? It's time for a
2: Bills Brawl podcast. <laughs>
0: Welcome into another episode of the Bills Brawl. I'm Mike Lindsley. Terrific to have you aboard week in, week out during the NFL off season as we get prepared for the salary cap numbers, we get prepared for the... Incredible NFL draft that always is, and seeing where the Bills uh, will pick. You know, will they trade up, trade down. We'll have a lot more on that. Plenty of guests to come. If you've been tuning in recently, we had Bills great Corbin Bryant on, Howard Simon from WGR 550, and plenty, plenty more to come in the off season At Bills Brawl on Twitter, and of course, at Brawl Network. You can get us all over the other social media platforms as well. Follow, like, engage, And please do download and subscribe to this very podcast. Leave five-star reviews and feedback and do that as well with all of the Brawl Network podcasts. I am absolutely delighted to bring on to the program the amazing NFL insider and reporter from NFL Network, Kim Jones, on Twitter, at Kim Jones Sports, and did some amazing stuff covering the Buffalo Bills during the remarkable 2020 campaign. Kim, welcome aboard.
2: I'm great, Mike. Thanks so much for asking. I'm, I'm delighted to join you.
0: So with the remarkable 2020 that was, we know that you hit the reset button and with all things considered the cap and Allen and who stays and who goes and expectations, what do you think is next for this bills franchise?
2: Well, I mean, I think to take the ultimate step and I think that they would tell you that, um, I was struck when Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean talked to us when the season ended and both talked about the idea, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, although I'm not taking it out of context. You know, yeah, we we did some good things, but the ultimate goal is the Super Bowl, and and we're not there yet. And I think it was Brandon Bean in particular who who said it essentially that way. So, you know, I love that Buffalo sets the bar high for itself. Um, The building it has done, I've said, is um, they've given a blueprint to teams that are smart enough to follow it, um, teams won't follow it because in the NFL teams like to figure it out their way. Uh, but Buffalo has built a team in a relatively short period of time, largely, but not solely because it banked on a quarterback that they not alone, but they certainly uniquely believed in, in Josh Allen and they've done it the right way. So I, I truly think that the next step for this group is to play in the Super Bowl. um, you take your chances then when you get there, but to play in the Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl. I'm not forecasting that for next season, but I also would not say it can't happen next
0: season. What do you think is Brandon Bean's greatest quality, and what do you think is Sean McDermott's greatest quality?
2: What a good question. Um, I think Bean's... um, And I'm not an expert on these guys. You know, I I, I, I feel like I, I get, like... I want to say this the right way, but I feel like I can get a feel for people pretty easily. I think I'm pretty good at that. But I, I certainly don't sit down with them on a regular basis. I don't you know know them well or anything like that. But I think Brandon Beans has to be the evaluation of talent. I think he's remarkable in that sense. It doesn't mean you don't miss. You do miss. But it also means that you get Matt Milano in, what, the fifth round? Now, Matt Milano may not be a Bill following this season, but he certainly has given them, you know, several really good years, uh, especially at that draft pick. So, you know, I think for Brandon I would probably go to the evaluation. I think for Sean I would, I would probably say the messaging, Mike, because I think that he gives his players a very clear directive. Um, there are rules. There have to be rules. There are rules. But I don't get the feeling there are a ton of them in Buffalo – And I think that once you ascribe ascribe to those rules, so once you are a rule abider in Buffalo, he then does the whole, like, be the best version of yourself, which I understand that some people hear that and do an eye roll a little bit, but it works in Buffalo because you hear players repeat that. It's not just a coach talking about his philosophy. It's players adopting and repeating the coach's philosophy. So, For a player like Trey White, he abides by um, what what I, I have to believe are things like be on time, be prepared, you know, general stuff like that. And then Trey White can be free to do a couple of different things, and I'll try to make this quick. Number one, play at a very, very high level at cornerback, obviously. But Trey White also told us this season that there are times he sees McDermott at the facility in the Bills building and will thank him for, quote, unquote, taking a chance on him. Because Tredavious White was Sean McDermott's first draft pick. I will tell you a story like that in my experience now covering this league for a long time. It's fairly rare and I think says a lot about McDermott, says an awful lot about Trey White, and says a lot about the Bills.
0: And obviously the word... You know, culture gets thrown around a lot in the NFL, you know, when a team's really, really bad. Well, they got to change the culture. They need a new head coach to change the culture. So we hear it more than we've ever heard it before in today's day and age. Do you think culture is more underrated or overrated?
2: I think the word has become cliché to the point where it's a crutch. What it ultimately means is winning. Yeah, right? right. When yeah. was the last time we saw any team? You know, pick pick whatever sport you know you enjoy watching. You know, obviously the NFL, but like if if someone's also a big NBA fan or a big Major League Baseball fan and you know roots for the Yankees or you know whomever, whatever. If that team's winning, you a rarely hear about the culture, and b you talk about my team's winning. If a team's losing, instead of saying we didn't acquire the right players, the players are always hurt and they're underachieving, and that has to stop, they say, "Well, the culture is bad." I mean, culture to me is an eye roll. I use it once in a while because, Mike, when you're on TV and you only have forty seconds, and <laughs> you know you don't have time to give some you know nuanced explanation, there are times I've used culture. I hate it. So I think, you know, to give me a winning team, we're going to talk about its culture, which is not always fair. And give me a losing team, and we're going to talk about bad culture, which there's generally a fairness to talking about bad culture with a losing team, but it certainly doesn't mean that team, you know, is down and out and is going to stay that way. You know, culture comes with smart decisions, with players who buy in, and with teams that ultimately win. But again we use the word culture as sort of an umbrella word. I understand why we do, but I am
0: tired of it. Yeah, I remember in the NBA when the Warriors started up, and it was, man, Steve Kerr's really built this big culture. (laughs) And I'm going, he's got Steph Curry nailing threes, Clay Thompson, and they added Kevin Durant. That's pretty good for culture to me. Right, when Kevin Durant, the culture really came in the building because Kevin Durant's a great player. I know, I'm with you. Yeah, three out of five starters are first ballot Hall of Famers, man. That is some culture, I'll tell you. Um, but then I, but, but then you know, I've had Lorenzo Alexander on and I've had other former bills on. I just had Corbin Bryan on and they do speak to some of it, but I think it's they speak more to the to the inside the walls, not the winning and losing stuff, more of the stuff that you talk about with you know the lessons learned and the buying into what McDermott would say and I I, I guess there's maybe different branches to the culture tree and only the players would know that inside the walls.
2: Yeah, and listen, it's a cohesion, right? It's the idea all for one, one for all. It's the idea, you know, yes, we, we'd all love to be all pro. We would all love to, to get contracts that suggest we're among the best in our position uh, under the NFL salary cap. Not everyone can do that, obviously. We We'd all love. Uh, to be as as gifted although Stefan Diggs is a great receiver not just because of his natural gifts but we would all love to be as gifted at whatever we do as Stefan Diggs is when he wakes up in the morning we would all love that but you know i just think that 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 it all falls into a much broader definition one of which i ascribe to is personal responsibility and generally when you talk about a team with Good culture. You're talking about players showing up on time for the most part. They're fines. But, you know, I know players who are really good players who get fined for being late occasionally. But, you know, they show up on time. They do their job. They're absolutely committed to team and they really want to win. You know, so, yeah, but but I but I will say one thing I would not do is ever argue with Lorenzo Alexander because I have too much respect for him and because he's been in a locker room time after time. So, you know, if he buys into culture and and he gave you a, an explanation about all of that, my guess is I would have been nodding along, you know, if I heard him say that stuff.
0: Kim Jones here on Bills Brawl. Mike Lindsley with UNFL Network, at Kim Jones Sports on Twitter, a must-follow. Um, the Chiefs-Bills gap. Is it is it large to you?
2: I thought it was large that day. Um, I did think it was large that day. I thought, you know, I, I think for the Bills, this was new. This Bills team, this was new territory, right? And um, I thought that moment, at a couple of different ways, um, including the field goals, to be honest, including the field goal attempts, I thought felt a little big for Buffalo that day. Uh, which I don't say as some slight. I'm saying it as just an observation that that I made. Um, But I also think they can grow and be so much better for it. And one of my lingering images that I did not see independently, but one of the lingering images is Stefan Diggs, and I believe also Josh Norman, but Diggs in particular, being on that field, you know, watching the celebration, and McDermott going out to get him. I think... That says a lot about who the Bills are. I do think they have to close the gap a little bit. I do think their front four has to be able to get – their front has to be able to affect the passer more. Um, I understand the idea. Speed, No, you're not going to find someone as fast as Tyree Kill. You're just not. So you're going to have to scheme him up like Todd Bowles did. But, um, you know, I, I – I, I take away a lot from that game, but, but to answer your question, I did think there was a gap there that day. I did think that,
0: yes. Do, do you think Stefan Diggs, and pretty much from everything you read, everything you hear, him, Bills, Vikings, former teammates, current teammates, it's probably 50-50, maybe it's 55-45, the most it's 60-40, it's not 100-0 there were problems in Minnesota. Diggs is very emotional. He's a big competitor. He does like to talk. He doesn't do certain things like maybe a Jarvis Landry does on the field or has in the past, but he certainly is a very, I mean, look, he plays the position, right? It's only that fit. And then you have, you know, him making this complete transformation and buying in and, you know, the Buffalo thing, getting the ball more. And he's happy as a clam right now. And they just win and had won and had a great season. Do you think, this is going to be how he is in the future. You think he's going to be a problem down the line? Is he going to ask to re, You know, I, I want my contract restructured. Look what I just did. Is he going to be a be a problem for the Bills? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what you meant about
2: the Jarvis Landry
0: stuff. I, 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 well, I on the know. field where he, you know, we had the he had the 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 play with Aaron Williams where he went after him, and I just think he's a lot more boisterous and a lot more of a problem. But, but. Uh, a
2: I've never had a problem with that stuff. Those players care a great deal. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think Jarvis is... I think the only game he ever missed was that one he had to miss um, at MetLife Stadium because of COVID contact tracing. I, I don't even... If I remember correctly, I don't think he even had COVID. I think he was part of that group where it wiped out their receivers that day. Um, that's
0: literally the only game he's ever missed. I mean, I consider Jarvis... A great receiver and a true game. oh I do too. I, know, do too I do too. I just I'm haven't seen Stefan Diggs know, deliberately I consider a good friend so I don't get wrapped up in like
2: is he going to be a problem um, every team in the league would love a quote unquote problem which he was not that Stefan Diggs represented this season. you know what I mean so I think just I, I probably come at that from a little bit of a different point of view and if at some point a great player wants more money, you know, that's life in the NFL and in professional sports. But um, yeah, it's, I, I don't have a crystal ball to see how someone's going to react down the road. But yeah, I, I guess I've always been more forgiving for the emotional player because I'm an emotional person. And, and in a weird way, I feel like I can kind of identify. Uh, even though I certainly can't athletically or in any other way with these guys that I cover, but I've always had good relationships with those kinds of players because I do think I understand them. So I think because I feel like I understand them and in some cases know them pretty well, I feel like I can um, see what they're doing and know why. as opposed to you know thinking that there's some issue or some problem.
0: Yeah, I was just alluding to the play that you know Landry made on the field on Aaron Williams. I mean, I've never seen Diggs do something like that before, for example. Um, final thing, I'm very interested to, to hear your response to this. You worked at the Yes Network, and you covered the Yankees, the, the biggest team in baseball, arguably the biggest brand in sports, the most successful franchise. I feel like I'm doing a Yankeeography by saying the last part. You know, the most successful franchise in professional sports history and, and everything that goes with it. Baseball is nowhere near the NFL, but for New York and Yankee fans, the Yankees is pretty much, in my opinion, the NFL. Have, give me the similarities making the move. You know, Yes Network, NFL Network, Yankees, NFL. Is there a lot in common there in terms of how you approach the job, cover it, um, everybody can't get enough content? Do you find yourself in more similar waters or different waters from covering the yankees on yes in the nfl network now
2: yeah it's um and i had been at the star ledger the nfl a beat writer for the giants and an nfl columnist before i went to the yes network so it was football for me uh, and before that i covered my alma mater penn state so it was football for me for a while then whatever it was, seven years in baseball, 05 through the eleven season, and then back to football. So um, I do consider them very, very different. I consider um, the players as a group, which is not fair to always put people in groups because we're all individuals. I consider them very different to deal with. I will say I feel like I connect more with football as a sport and the people in it, Uh, but that doesn't mean I didn't have great friendships, relationships, Um, professionally, that endure even now, you know, from my baseball times. But um, they're just very, very, very different. The day-to-day nature of baseball, that grind is something that where a football player might say, well, yeah, but you don't know that when we're in the facilities getting treatment, when we're on the practice field and getting more treatment. And, no, I don't know that stuff. But I do know in baseball they play every darn day. And that is uh, a grind like no other that I've ever experienced. So the sports are just so different to me that the players are. Um, in the NFL, you're talking about guys who've come from college football. So in so many cases, and, and I would say almost always now, it, it's the the rare ex- it's the exception now of a player who doesn't deal at least – Um, credibly and fairly well with the media in the NFL because they've all come from college programs where they saw media every day or on a regular basis or at least on game days or what have you Um, and I know everything is Zoom now, believe me, I've lived that (laughs) but um, you know, so they're just so, so different baseball is just such a different um, such a different game to cover for me Um, whereas football is much more my comfort zone I think, I think that's fair to say Um, So, yeah, I I do look at them as completely different entities, but I've always looked at my home base in my career as football.
0: Kim Jones, NFL Network, doing great stuff with WFAN as well. The Instagram and Twitter, at Kim Jones Sports. Make sure you follow along on both. Kim, what a treat to have you. Thank you so much. Continued success.
2: My pleasure, Mike. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me.
0: The Bills Brawl at Bills Brawl on Twitter and of course at Network Brawl. Make sure you follow both. Download and subscribe to all of the shows here on the network and leave us a five-star review and some feedback as well. Such exciting times going on, and we keep rolling the guests to you right now. The fantastic reporter and studio host for NBC Sports. He gets it done covering the NFL, covering the NHL, Notre Dame football. Liam McHugh joins us now, and of course you can follow Liam on Twitter as well. Liam, welcome aboard.
1: Always good to chat with you. How's everything?
0: Everything is, is fine. As you were going through the NFL season on NBC and, and and watching everything take place and take shape, when did you realize the Bills were legit? oh i mean i think i started to get excited
1: almost right away right because it, it felt uh it felt like a different situation i mean it's hard to believe that it was like at the beginning of the year in the build-up to the bill season that we were sitting here questioning josh allen right <laughs> that we were wondering if this is this the right guy did, did they make a terrible decision and everyone's wondering about the draft class that year and the quarterbacks is this the face of the franchise i mean it, it's crazy to think that because right off the bat he was pretty explosive um and I think there were still some questions like, can he be accurate and explosive? Can he make all the right decisions? Because we knew he was athletic and we knew he had a big arm. Um, but as it went, I think early on, you started to see this amazing chemistry with him and Diggs. You started to see that he and Brad Abel had uh, a connection there that they knew that they were on the same page and knew what they wanted to do. And I don't think we, I don't know if we thought that, this would lead to a guy who was in the MVP conversation late in the season because I think that we thought there'd be a few more bumps in the road, and I certainly felt that way as well. Um, but I think the feeling was they have the right guy pretty early on, uh, and I was I was impressed that he was able to you know continue to be explosive, continue to be the guy who made big plays. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think he can to be pretty pumped if you're a Bills fan. I know no one's excited about the way it ended. But right now, you have the quarterback, you have the coach, you have the GM, and if that's your foundation, uh, it's a pretty great start. You
0: you know the market of Buffalo so well, you know Syracuse so well, you know Rochester so well. I mean you've you've lived and breathed and yeah. it, the, the whole thing up and down that beautiful I ninety throughway. 2020, of course, the Bills would do this, right? 13 and three, sweep the division, right? Primetime monsters, you know, like Allen Diggs, the records, franchise, league. Of course, they'd do it because Bills Mafia can't go to the games.
1: It was uh, it was it was so strange for me uh, to be able to, you know, I, I go to these games, I go to every Sunday night football game, and um, obviously, my first couple seasons, we had not visited Buffalo, and here we are. All of a sudden, it's. Uh, you know, a year where the fans can't be there. Uh, and I know how passionate, I know how fired up. I mean, Bills mafia, they come out in force when the team is bad.
0: Best, best fan base in the NFL. I, I,
1: I honestly, I believe that. Yep. I really do. Yep. It, it, it's a party. They're into the game. They're a knowledgeable fan base. They know their team up and down. They know the game well. Um, and, of course, so first off, the first game that I'm going to be a part of, I test positive for COVID. So I... I don't get to go to the Bills game. It turns out everything was okay, and I'm, I'm very happy that myself, my family, uh, we made it through that. But it was like I was so pumped up to be up there, even if the fans couldn't be. Then I do get to go up there in the playoffs, and at least some fans get to be there. And I have to tell you, that was one of the greatest, strangest but greatest atmospheres I've been around because mm-hmm. I've been in these packed stadiums before. This one, you have just over 6,000 fans. They are
0: they made a difference, there. right? Oh my! Yeah, goodness.
1: totally in it. In, yeah. in a game that, <laughs> in a game that was kind of strange, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. not only you know, certainly a lack of big offensive plays both ways, and then of course the Bills make the monster defensive play, oh. run it back all the way from their own end zone, and that place felt like it was shaking, despite wow. the fact that there are not even seven thousand people there. And I also say, not only that, but I think it's a Bills fan base that really gets it. They get the fact that. Not a lot of fans get to go to games. Uh, this year is kind of a privilege that we get to go to games. So even when things weren't going their way, this was an optimistic crowd. This wasn't a crowd that was starting to get down on their team. And the players echoed that as well. They were like, you know, in the past, like if we're not playing so well, you hear about it. This year it was sort of like, hey, listen, guys, we're with you the whole way. Uh, we're going to cheer this entire time. We're going to get you fired up, provide as much energy as we can. And I think the Bills just took that and ran with it.
0: So, Liam, Tom Brady started his career with New England a couple of years before you and I met. Uh, I met you in inside the Clear Channel Studios in Syracuse. You were a grad student at the Cuse. You were doing stuff with ESPN the Magazine. And we were talking back and forth and, you know, wow, what's, what's this going on? You know, like a, a, a new up-and-coming reporter. I was trying to grind and do my thing. Uh, and then the next time I see you, I flipped on the TV and I said, I know that guy. <laughs> and, and you're on NBC. Um, by the way, it's 2021, and Tom Brady is still winning Super Bowls. I mean, how, how yeah. is, is your jaw like? Is your jaw attached to the floor like mine is with this guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, he he and I are, are both 43 years old. Uh, I am aging, though. That's the difference. <laughs> like, I am 43. Now your diet's um, a
0: little uh, bit different, right? You know, <laughs>
1: a, a little, <laughs> just slightly. Uh, um, I read, I. Like real ice cream, he eats avocado ice cream. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, you know, he he looks younger. I mean, and he that's the bizarre thing. Like, he looks younger. Uh, he's certainly rejuvenated down there, attitude wise. I think we all see it. We certainly saw it with the celebration that, you know, there's a certain sense of freedom uh, that he is embracing. But I will say this while there is the freedom there, this is still the same Tom Brady in terms of. There's a demand of excellence, and I, I have to say, not only is it just remarkable the fact that he is still playing at 43, and that there's no reason to believe he won't play for the next three years and play at an extremely high level, it's just the fact that the discipline it takes day in day out to be able to do that. This is not the type of thing where a couple weeks, you know, after the season, you say, all right, I guess you yeah. know, I've been on the couch. It's for a, he's weeks. committing
0: it's like, to it every hour of his oh, life.
1: Exactly. Let me ramp this up. Oh. Now, you can't do that at this age. You have to keep going. Cause once the train stops, it, it stops. Yep. You're not getting it back. And I think that's the impressive thing about it. Like he has nothing to play for legacy wise. He has nothing to play for financially. Uh, It's just a guy who cannot stop because he has this desire to keep going, keep winning, and he clearly loves it. So, yeah, I mean, not in a million years I think this would happen. No way. But here he is. He's 43. And I'm used to my 40-plus athletes looking a lot more like Bartolo Colon than like Tom Brady.
0: Uh was it as simple way back in the beginning when Brady went to Tampa? You know, he needed the change, wanted to get out of the spell of Belichick, do it on his own, wanted a little bit more freedom. We see, obviously, winning the Super Bowl, that party's a little bit different in Tampa than New England. Uh, Chuck and yeah. Lombardi trophies, boat to boat, getting wasted and all the rest. But but was it as simple way back then to you, Liam McHugh, hey, Brady's out of the division, it's the Bills now. I mean, it, it for me, it wasn't that simple. It was just, yeah, Brady making New England. I mean, they probably would have... I mean, I guess Belichick, people forget he did a pretty good coaching job even this year to have that team where he did. Maybe Brady gets him as a wild card for sure. I didn't think it was, I thought it was part of it, but I didn't think it was all of it. Where did you stand on Brady's gone, now it's the Bills? I mean, did they go together for you at the time?
1: No. I mean, the funny thing is, as much as I was like fairly early on impressed with Josh Allen and I was thinking that the Bills were capable of some big things. um, No, I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the season, you know, the early season narrative here was actually, like, who won the divorce? Right. Because it felt like, wow, Bill Belichick, he's got Cam Newton. He's, oh, wow, they're going to run the football with Cam Newton? And they're not going to, you know, they know they don't have a ton of offensive weapons, so they're not going to throw it around. They're just going to use this guy's skill set in the proper way. And who better to get the most out of a quarterback at any point, most out of all of his players, than Bill Belichick? And it felt like, oh, man, maybe Tom's made a terrible decision here because, uh, it, you know, it was a choppy start. It was uneven for that Bucks team. And so to me, no. I mean, I felt like the Bills, they should have the advantage, but they're going to be in for it because this is, still, this is still Belichick, and that hangs over you. And if you have two head-to-head games, it always feels like you're game planning for, you know, what your team does well, and then when you play Bill Belichick, you tend to go into it and you start overthinking because you say, Oh, this guy's planning for us. He has something different. He has a way to take away our best assets. So now you start to tinker in a way that maybe you shouldn't have. And you take it a little too far. So no, to me, it it wasn't that simple. Uh, But I think when you really break it down and start to look, obviously the Pats had some serious limitations beyond Brady. They didn't have a lot of weapons the year before. Uh, They had no tight end game. And, They also had a bunch of guys who decided because of COVID that they weren't going to play this year. So they were limited, uh, you know, the Patriots were. So the Bills, I give them credit because not everybody who gets the opportunity cashes in, takes advantage, and runs with it. And the Bills really did that. But now, now it certainly feels like this is the Bills' division because early on in the year when Tua was playing well, it felt like it had flipped to the point where the Pats would be playing catch-up. The Bills are going to be uh, very good and look like they could own the division, and then it looked like Miami would be right behind them. Now there are questions about Tua. So it really, more than ever, feels like this is the Bills' division because they have the answer. They have the face of the franchise. They have the quarterback. Everyone else has, still has a question mark at the most important position on their team.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Final question for you. This is a Buffalo Bills podcast. And many Bills fans, as you know, in western New York and beyond are also Sabre fans. I I don't, I'm out. I, I, I don't know what to say anymore about this team. Can you help, please?
1: It's uh I, well first off, be very happy at the Bills right now. Uh and you are going through what you went through with the Bills, right? I mean the Bills had this unbelievably long playoff drought, yep. right? And it finally broke through. Now you've also talked about I mean the Bills fans were the best even when they were bad, and I think that's the problem right now. The Sabres fans, uh, there is this feeling that like we're starting to give up and uh, you know, I don't think there's a quick turnaround here. I thought they'd be better this year than they are. I still didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, mainly because of the division. Yep. Uh, it was one of those unfortunate situations where, like, yeah, you can improve. Probably not going to matter. You're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but they're worse than I thought they would be. Uh, I thought they'd be a lot better at this point. And I think what's really vexing about this and what's really frustrating is that in the NHL, it shouldn't take this long. No right half the, the
0: league makes the playoffs every it's year. It's just the
1: way it works, Gosh. exactly. Gosh. Um, you know, Goodness. you get a few lucky bounces, you stay healthy, sure. you limit losing streaks, you sneak in as an eight seed. It's yeah. just the way it works, yeah. and I think that's what's so utterly frustrating about this. Plus, it's not like you had a you know, a major draft with, I mean, which is to say, you had listen, you didn't get Carmick David because of the lottery. But you got the greatest consolation prize. I mean, Jack Eckleton is the real deal. So it's not like you swung and missed at that. You got the right guy there. And it still hasn't come together. I don't know what to say at this point. Uh, I want the Sabres back because I know how passionate those fans are. But also because it's uh, a great hockey town. It's a great it really market is. for us at NBC. Yeah. They tune it all the time. They're yeah. so passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, it's almost at the point where it's confusing. I thought they'd be better this year. I mean, they only gave Taylor Hall the one-year deal. He hasn't done much, so the one-year deal looks a lot better. they got some things to figure out next year. Uh, I thought Ralph Kruger would have them in a better position. Now, they've they've dealt with a lot. They've dealt with a lot with COVID-19. They had time off, and they are a streaky team that we've seen in the past. It's a 56-game season, so if I can give you any hope at all, it's that they get on one of these mini-tears where if they can rip off six or seven straight games, all of a sudden – They're right in the mix, and they're battling for one of that that final spot, that fourth spot in that New East division. But again, that is big time, best case scenario.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's too early to say that they whiffed on Darlene. I think they probably right now, you could say they whiffed on Middlestat. That's the only guy who really comes up. He's been in for four or five years now in the league and you know was a top 10 type pick. I think he was eighth overall in that draft of 17. But man, alive, I'm with you. I mean, you look all over the, the roster, there's talent everywhere. And you would think like... You know Skinner has dropped off mightily at this point, but the goaltending yeah. and the defense—you know what it is, Liam. You, you're you're built up the middle until you're not, and when you're not, you don't have the depth. That's all. You don't have you don't have what do you have after those three guys and, and the Sabers three four guys that they have performing at such a high level after Eichel and Olafson. You know, what, I mean, what do you what yeah. what what do you have? You're supposed to have Darlene being the star, and then the depth follows. They don't have the depth or the star there, in the goaltending. They don't have either as well, so they're. I mean, they're, there's a lot of. I think. I think. Put it this way. I think the string kind of comes undone real quick. You know, the rope. The rope becomes real thin.
1: It, it does, and and the problem, as you mentioned, I mean, hockey is a sport where goaltending can solve a lot of your problems, or at least can mask them for uh, you know a good amount of the time. They don't have that. They don't. They don't have the type of goaltending uh, to be able to do that. And uh, their team defense is not good. I'm. I'm not gonna. Darlene's the question mark now, right? Because it takes skilled defensemen usually a few years to get going. So the next year is really going to be key. It's going to be key. You want to see some growth. Um, And what I want to see from Darlene is he's a beautiful skater. you got to use that skating, though, at both ends of the ice. The skating that you use to separate offensively is the skating that you also use to close defensively. And I want to see that both ways. And if he can do that... I mean, you can take a big jump It's clearly the skill level is there.
0: Liam McHugh on Twitter, at Liam underscore McHugh, NBC Sports. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate it, bud.
1: Uh, always good to chat, my man.